Okay, so here we are on day two. It's probably been uh, a bit of a challenge uh, among perhaps hopefully some moments of, of um, ease or happiness or, you know, hopefully <laughs> relative ease yesterday. But for sure, the first day, coming into the second day, you know, there's body pain, there's fatigue, there's everything, you know, our lives are so busy, many of us on the, the outside, that um, we, t we bring that momentum in. When we stop with all of the incessant activity and tasking and on to the next thing, there can be like a, the pendulum swinging over into fatigue, right? It's, it seems to be like the signal to our systems that it's time to sleep or something. Plus, we probably, it's probably a signal that we are driving ourselves really hard in our lives without enough rest, you know, uh, psychological, spiritual, and physical rest. So that's where some of us might be. Now I see some nodding heads, so we'll be gentle with you. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm, I'd like to offer some um, information and some guided <coughs> practice this morning that hopefully will help you. Uh, support you today as you continue to ease into developing more continuity of mindfulness, letting the momentum of your mindfulness build on its own. There's a certain amount of effort that we have to bring to this uh, practice at the beginning of a retreat, especially we have to rouse our, we have to just keep remembering to come back. And it can feel tiresome, a little bit tiresome. <laughs> so I, I thought I'd offer some information to help um, shift our view on, on that, on what we're doing. So as I mentioned on uh, our opening evening, each one of the eight path factors that Dave spoke about in his uh, talk last night has wise view in it. That is, we are getting better and better at when we, as we practice those path factors, we are developing right view as the outcome, as the resultant of practicing those factors, each factor, and that feeds back into how we practice. So mindfulness, wise mindfulness, is how it appears in the path. Right mindfulness, samasati. So he ta Dave talked about samaditi last night. Sama sati, sati being the Pali word for mindfulness. There's a lot of different translations for sati, mindfulness being the most common, but also to keep in mind. There's a real quality of remembering in it. It's pointing right to the actual effort that we're doing, remembering to keep our intention in mind and our object or objects in mind. Here, in the practice that we're doing here, what we're keeping in mind is con continuing to check in whether I'm, I'm aware or not, or what am I aware of. That's our, that's our sati remembrance, you know, our sati refrain. So wise mindfulness, the wise part is there's, the, there's elements of, of right view in that, in that sama. And sometimes the wise, the wisdom that's in wise mindfulness is called right attitude or wise attitude. With what mind are you meditating? 
That's one way we can think about attitude. With what mind are you meditating? Uh, with what intention are you meditating? How are you relating to what's coming up? Is there a wise view in there? Um, so for instance, with what mind are you meditating? If you are, uh, well, these two are both related to another quality that's mentioned in the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. It's, a, it's not usually taught uh, very much, but it's called clear comprehension, sampajana, sampajano, sampajano. Uh, and clear comprehension, is, it, it speaks to those things, those aspects, those right view aspects of mindfulness. Understanding why we're practicing. For what purpose? For what purpose? Are we, um, are we um, practicing to get a certain, to get, get a certain state of mind, to get peaceful, to get... Uh, that, you know, to chase after that wonderful samadhi feeling? Are we, I once met a, a yogi who uh, sort of mourned the fact that his very first mindfulness retreat, he had the most amazing, mind-blowing insight, disillusion, Kensho experience, that, you know, where he was one with everything, and then he spent the next 10 years of his practice chasing after it. <laughs> That is wrong view in the mind that's meditating. <laughs> when you're chasing after a certain mind state, that's going to be constantly setting you up for failure, right? <laughs> so it's going to be really hard to settle down with a mind like that, where you're, it's like, where is it, where is it, where is it? Craving in the mind that's meditating. So we want to pay attention to the attitude what, with what mind we're meditating. <coughs> and by bringing attention to any latent desires or aversions in there. I mean, are we practicing to get rid of something? It's like, if I just am mindful with this anger, it will go away, right? Get rid of it. <laughs> then, again, we're setting, up, we're, setting up, we're setting up an expectation that is going to agitate our minds, that's going to work directly against being able to settle down into con continuous, more continuous mindfulness, right? So it's backfiring strategy. We want to have goals and aspirations, you know, to be practicing uh, because we would like to find more peace. And but we, what we want to do is have some wise view in that. How, where does the peace come from? It's not any temporary mind state. It comes from understanding. It comes from developing right view itself. It's the understanding that brings us peace. So really, it's, it may seem like a subtle shift, but it's an important one that uh, to clearly comprehend that we are practicing in order to understand. In order to understand ourselves, reality, ever more clearly and more in alignment with the design of things, with reality. And that presents itself to us as we're practicing. It shows itself to us, reality does, in all of its, you know, um, complete characteristics. It's impermanent, it's conditional. There is dukkha when we don't understand those very key <laughs> elements and so on. These aspects of right view that, that show themselves to us as we watch. It's like, oh yeah, everything is changing. Oh yeah, everything that I'm experiencing and that I am and everything 
in the world is constructed of component parts. I can see that. I can feel that. I can watch that. I can watch conditioning, conditions changing through my direct experience and so on. So whatever we see with our mindfulness feeds back into the right attitude, understanding why we're practicing. Clear comprehension of why we're practicing, clear comprehension of what I'm doing right now. (laughs) That's why sometimes when you're sitting and going, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be doing right now? It's not very conducive. (laughs) Like, what object am I? I don't, wait. Okay, so you're keeping it simple. What am I aware of? Super simple. What am I aware of? And then a bunch of objects appear. (laughs) Like, okay, that's what I'm aware of. And any of them is good. (laughs) Lawrence is agreeing. I'm glad. Thank you. (laughs) It's nice that you're here up front giving us some uh, reinforcement. So, um, yeah, clear comprehension of what I'm seeing also. And each of these, of course, is, is a development. We get better and better at it as we get more understanding. We get better at clearly comprehending that what I'm seeing is anger, not that stupid person does it that way, and they should fix it. <laughs> like there's a difference between being entangled in the anger and blaming and going and taking responsibility for what's happening in our mind and going, oh, anger is happening. That's clear comprehension of the object. Well, I'm aware of anger. <laughs> okay. We'll be working with emotions a little later in the week. Don't you worry. <laughs> we will get there. I'm sure you'll, you'll be you're way ahead of us at that. It's like, you know, I loved that. Uh, sorry for this aside, but that was one of the things that really cracked me up about the early 10-day retreats I would go on, you know, where they'd say, okay, today and tomorrow you're going to just pay attention to your breathing. And then on day three, you're just going to pay attention to your body. And on day four, you can start paying attention to emotions. And it's like the very first sit, like all these emotions come out, right? What do I do with this? Just don't pay attention to them. What? What? How does that work? It doesn't. (laughs) Exactly. It doesn't. But the point being is they're pointing to you need some stability, of mind and some stability of mindfulness to be able to, uh, um, you know, productively practice with your emotions. So <laughs> that's what they were pointing to. Of course, they didn't say it that way. If they had, I might, maybe they did, and I just didn't hear them because I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they said it. <laughs> okay. So clear comprehensions, clear comprehension of what I'm seeing, discerning wisdom, what is wholesome, unwholesome, and we'll be talking more about this as we go. And then clear comprehension of the conditions that you're working with in this moment. Like what I pointed to yesterday, we are working with the mind that has been habituated to being lost in thought. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing bad about that. It doesn't make us a bad person. It's not our fault. Every single one of us is dealing with that condition. It's a human condition. It's acculturated. It's not our fault, but that's what we're dealing with. So we could just be like kind and compassionate with ourselves, clearly comprehending that that's what we got going on as we gently and persistently return our attention back. It's like, it's okay. You know, I'm just, I'm turning this big, fast, 
train of momentum. It's like turning a big, you know, ocean liner of momentum. Is 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 turning the momentum of our um, mind stream from mindlessness, living through our minds and our plans and our mental mediation to mindfulness, living through awareness. And that's a big shift. I mean, it's simple, but it's big. And it takes some repetition. Repetition. So just know that that's it. The practice is repetition. No need to spin out over it. Clear comprehension helps, then that right view helps to bring us some ease. So all of these forms of clear comprehension, that's what they do. They bring us in alignment with right view, with the way of things. And because they're in alignment and in harmony with the way of things, the, um, we feel more easeful. We feel more easeful. That's why this path leads to peace, because as we um, discover the reality and our, all of our, the way we think about the view that we have towards reality shifts to be more in alignment with it, we, we uh, are letting go of the stress of thinking wrongly about things. That's dukkha. It's just thinking wrongly about things. It's being at odds with the nature of reality. So this is what clear comprehension, sampajano um, uh, and samasati, uh, having right view in our practice, helps us cultivate more stability of mind because our, we're more peaceful. We're giving ourselves a break. Yeah? So it helps seeing and acknowledging these facts. They really are just truths and facts, right? Um, helps us relax from our unrealistic expectations. And promote a comfortable mind and body. A comfortable mind and body is the proximal cause and condition to continuity of mindfulness. I'm just going to say it again. A comfortable mind and body are the proximal, that is, immediate cause and condition for continuity of mindfulness. So that's a teaching from my teacher, Saida Utejaniya, which has been borne out in my own practice. And it's why he emphasizes this relaxation and this clear comprehension and right attitude bit. So I, you know, we, we're, we're inviting you to check it out, your attitude. How, with what mind are you practicing? And then how are you relating to what's coming up? This is what Dave spoke to last night, with the, yesterday afternoon, with the forgiveness practice. We're bringing right view right there into whatever's coming up. We're meeting it with this understanding. It's not my fault. It's causes and conditions as they're appearing right now. And anyway, the causes and the conditions that, are, that have caused what's arising right now are over, and we can't change them. We can't do anything to change them. We can only start from this moment right now. And from this moment right now, how are we going to relate to this anger, this pain, this frustration, this impatience? With understanding. It's like, of course this is going to come up. We have these expectations. Oh, it's the expectation. What if I relax the expectation? What if I just come back to what's happening right here, right now? What am I aware of? 
get it simple, release the expectation, and then it'll come back, and we have to do that repeatedly too. Okay. So, besides the forgiveness practice, forgiving each moment that arises, forgiving the conditions as they arise, forgiving our minds, forgiving, you know, everything. <laughs> Which is a really good practice. <laughs> really, and it's in alignment with reality. It's in alignment with right view. It's not our fault. Um, there are a couple of other techniques that we can use to help bring us this, to help support a comfortable mind and body that in turn helps support the continuity of mindfulness. So those are some of what we're going to experiment with this morning. So let's try an experiment where you get to use your voice a little bit, just a little bit. Actually talk, you know, very briefly voice. And this is gratitude. We're going to do some gratitude practice. Gratitude as a practice and as an attitude of mind is um, a, a wonderful way of cultivating right view. That's because we tend to, as human beings, and it's not our fault, we are conditioned by evolution to look for the problems, right? It's called the negativity bias. We all inherit this. It's in our brains from our ancestral, uh, you know, humans, humanoids out on the savanna, scanning the savanna. They're scanning the savanna. Are they looking? Oh, they're going, oh, what pretty clouds. Look at those beautiful flowers over there. And then, boom, they're attacked by a saber-toothed tiger. (laughs) It wasn't very conducive (laughs) to survival (laughs) to be, you know, like looking at the pretty stuff. So the ones who survived to pass on their genes to us saw the, the dangers out there. So that means that when you notice that you're being vigilant, when you, when you say, what am I aware of? And your mind goes right to the pains in your body. Your attention goes right to what's wrong. You're, when you're thinking, you're thinking not about everything that's great in your life, but about the things you need to fix and solve and get right. Because, of course, we all hold this assumption that out there, there's this perfect life that I can have if I just get my shit together. You know? Pardon my language. <laughs> Sorry. Right? That's a wrong view that is driving that habit. What if life is pretty great right here and right now? This is an open question that we can explore with gratitude practice. And because gratitude, you know, we turn our attention to those things that are good in our life. And that actually opens us to the truth of things which is that there is a range of stuff going on in any moment. Pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. That's the truth. Just because our attention goes to the negative doesn't mean that's all there is. And so you see this, is, this negativity bias is not the problem. It's the fact that we cling, we identify with it, we let it fill up our whole mind, and we let it direct our attention fully. So gratitude is a way of breaking that habit. And it takes time, but the more that we practice <coughs> shifting to looking for the positive, 
the more that we build up that resource, those neuron connections in our brain, so that it's easier to remember and find in the future. So let's do a little experiment. Closing your eyes for a moment, just gathering your attention. Letting your body settle into presence. Noticing whatever is happening in your body, the things that are uncomfortable, the things that are comfortable. Scan around, scan through and see a lot of what's going on. Maybe take some deep breaths to find a place of settledness, a little bit more relaxed, soft. So you can just be receiving the objects, the sensations of body, the sounds, any other sense objects as they arise. And now I invite you to offer to the group out loud just a word or two of things that you are grateful for in your life that you appreciate. Like, I am grateful. I'm so grateful for the sky. I'm grateful for my children. I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful to be alive. Grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my dog. I'm grateful for my home. I'm grateful for my health. and my teachers. I'm grateful for my daughter. Grateful for my kitten. I'm grateful I have everything I need. And as we listen to the appreciations in people's lives. Are you noticing any shift in your body and mind as you take in these gratitudes? Sensing into any change or shift. And if you would like to share out loud a word that might describe that shift. Warmth. Lightness. Calm. Remembering. Letting go. Hopeful. 
U-turn. Acceptance. Open. Connected. Joy. Rest. Ease. So even if you're not feeling any kind of shift, it's clear that others are. And, um, and for those of us, in gratitude, this shifting of attention to the positive or the good, the things we appreciate, um, it's showing us how easy it is, how eminently possible and easy it is to shift the mind stream toward the wholesome, towards right view, to experience, to actually experience the effect on our mind-body systems of this shift to becoming more in alignment with right view, the range of experience. It's not just the hard things and the problems. And then it's also a wonderful practice in letting go of clinging to that that tug of that need to fix and solve that Dave pointed to last night in his talk, that craving to get it right, solve the problem. It brings us, you know, it's not that the problems might not need to be solved, it's just that it's helpful to approach that process, that that, um, project with a balanced mind. Our well-being does not depend on it. We can find well-being in this moment right now through a simple shift of our attention. And so now taking this practice of breaking the negativity bias, looking for the good, into our moment-to-moment mindfulness and objects of mindfulness. And looking in your body, finding the places in your body that feel good. Where does your breathing feel good today? When you drop in that question, just let the attention go wherever. There's no right or wrong answer. And it might actually go to something that doesn't feel good. And that's really common. And so then we say, okay, just let that go and say, what, what else is here? What else is here? Where does the breathing feel good? Where does my body feel good? Maybe it feels good to relax a place of tension.
And when we find an area that feels good, we can pay close attention to those sensations. And we can take in the good, which means to spend a few seconds enjoying it, allowing ourselves to enjoy these pleasant sensations, the feeling of goodness, centeredness, embodiment, well-being, whatever it is. Attention may skitter around, no problem. You can either bring it back to this place or find somewhere else that feels good. It's important to take it in, to enjoy it, to let the goodness sink into you as you sink into it, sort of like honey pouring through you. And relax your face, eyes, throat. No need to push anything. Just settle back and ask, where does my body feel good right now? As you settle in with the pleasant sensations, there may be pleasant emotions. Your mind may uh, get more relaxed, and that may be pleasant too. Appreciation may arise, gratitude. So then you can let that be your new pleasant or good object that you take in, enjoy. Feel free to explore any other senses that might offer some good experience in sound, in smells. We're just looking for the good through all of our sense doors. goodness am I aware of right now?
And it might be very subtle, just feeling of calm, peace. Or it might be very, very pleasant. Noticing the range of goodness. As your attention wanders, get lo- gets lost among the pleasant, just keep refreshing your awareness. What am I aware of?
if you like, if you feel like you need more balance in your practice, what am I aware of that's pleasant right now, that feels good? And allowing yourself to enjoy that for a few seconds. if you should be settling into this sense of well-being to take note if that helps you be more present if it supports your more effortless mindfulness or not is this helping me to be mindful Again, you know your direct experience answers that question. Not your thinking mind.
there some ache or pain or in your body right now that could use your kind attention? Just a slight shift, a release of tension, a little stretch. Doing this mindfully and feeling the pleasantness of the relief caring for an ache or pain in your body. coming to the end of our practice time with any uh, warmth or (coughs) well-being that is around right now to, if it feels okay, offer yourself appreciation. Offer yourself appreciation for the efforts that you have put in coming to this retreat, practicing diligently all day, yesterday, starting again today. Thank yourself. Notice how it feels to thank yourself. Sending your attention out into the room, sensing our community, our fellow yogis here. And if it feels okay to send them appreciation for their practice, that supports your practice. Thank you. Letting this metta, this loving-kindness, goodwill, sort of expand outward from your heart, touching everyone in the room, going out into the land and all the beings on the land and the folks who are helping support us in this retreat and the people and beings who live out there in the world and all their suffering and joy. In all directions without exception. May all beings discover what they need to be free of suffering. May all beings know the greatest happiness, which is peace.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.